Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Racing Lives. My name is Aurélie, Aurélie Donzelot, and in this podcast, I use motorsport as an excuse to chat to some of the most inspiring women I know. Each week brings a different guest, and we discuss everything from career beginnings to what it's truly like to be involved in one of the fastest sports in the world. My guest today is a hugely experienced PR and events expert. Try and say that twice in a row. With over 20 years in the sports and entertainment industries, she's a director at Revolution Communications where, and I love this description, I am absolutely stealing it from her site, her and her team have carved a niche infusing the worlds of motorsport and automotive with lifestyle and entertainment. Her client list reads like the who's who of automotive and motorsport royalty. From the Grand Tour to classic car shows, Formula E, Formula One and so many more. She also has her hand firmly on the glitter pulse with connections to England's best-known TV shows, including one of my personal favourites, Strictly Come Dancing. Before that, she built her extensive experience in PR and events, working with racing drivers, F1 teams, rally teams, huge, huge brands such as Vodafone, Hilton, Quicksilver, to name but a few, and even a, f- even a football team. She's also a prolific features writer, published in more magazines than I can list now, and she is the embodiment behind one of my favourite mottos, keep calm and drink tea. My guest today is the powerhouse that is Rebecca Banks. Well, I'm very embarrassed and also, who did who was that description about? <laughs> it's, it's very so nice weird. of you. <laughs> it is crazy, like when you... Uh, when you kind of read back over, I forget some of the clients that I've even worked for. And then you'll have a look back at the list. And you go, oh, yeah, I did that. Wow. I forgot I did that. That was quite cool. Yeah, it's been a, been a busy 20 years. <laughs> You've not wasted the time, have you? <sighs> Try not to. We're in here once, aren't we, that we know of. So, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, let me ask you the questions then. Tell me, tell me, when and where did your racing life actually begin? This is probably different to lots of people in that I didn't know anything about racing before I started working in it. I, th- I think with sports, you kind of um, you kind of watch and, and know 
what you maybe grow up around. So if your if your parents are big rugby fans or cricket fans or whatever that is that and it's on in your house, that I think for most people that's kind of ends up being what you also are drawn to. And we never ever had motorsport on, on in my house when I was growing up. It was a big football house and, and it was the same with, you know, if I go to my aunt and uncle's houses, it was the same thing. It was always football. So I knew a lot about football growing up and, and nothing else. So motorsport, I, I knew nothing. I could probably have named Michael Schumacher if I was sort of had a gun to my head uh, when I was 17, but but that was it. And then I went to this college uh, to study PR and media. And during our course, we had to do two work placements. And the first work placement I did was IMG, which is the big sports management company. And then um, I had another placement I needed to fill towards the end of my course. And I was also sort of looking for a job. So I went to my college who had a really good careers office and said that I really was interested in sports marketing and PR um, and particularly in football and was there any anything they could do for me and they didn't have any connections in in football but they said that they'd got this um this job in for a PA for a motorsport company which happened to be in the same town that I grew up and I and they saw you know but you, you can't be nervous when we tell you who the interview's for I still, you know, tell me, and they still, um, it's it's for the chairman, his name's David Richards, um, and just had like a blank face, I had no clue whatsoever, I was like, okay, fine, so they sent my CV to them, and they said, look, we're looking for a permanent role, but we're looking for someone that's like a second jobber, and she has no experience, so maybe she's not for us, and I said, okay, look, I've got this placement I need to do, offer me to go and do the placement for two weeks and then see what happens so they said yes I went and worked for David Richards at ProDrive for two-week placement when I was 17 and he offered me a full-time job at the end of the placement so I that that's kind of how I started so I started um, working for ProDrive full-time when I was it was two weeks before I turned 18 and yeah, I worked for him for a year. And then he was, I mean, he's such an amazing guy to learn from. And, the, and the, the amazing thing about that role was it gave an overview of the whole ProDrive business. So at the time, they had the Subaru World Rally team. They had the Ford Mondeo Touring Car team. They did customer rally programs. And they obviously had the whole engineering side of it. So, um, And they also used to rent a room to Arden Formula 3000 team which was run by Christian Horner at the time so I had this amazing overview of of all these different businesses which then gave me um, the opportunity to kind of decide which bits kind of tickled my fancy a bit more really so I worked for David for a year and then a role came up as the PR marketing assistant for the Subaru World Rally team part of the business and he was just like go for it because you know I was working as his PA but I wanted I wanted to work in PR so it was it was it was a foot in the door but like an amazing foot in the door I couldn't have couldn't have wished for a better sort of introduction to racing that's amazing <laughs> sorry that's just ended up being a really long story <laughs> no, it's amazing it was literally like but do you know what every regardless whether it's for this or not everyone that I speak to has a different way into motorsport I've not met anybody that's copy and paste yeah it's really interesting isn't it and sometimes I feel really, really bad when, you know, you know, someone really wants a job because they're so passionate about motorsport. And then I knew nothing. And I, you know, it wasn't sort of it was it was it was that sliding doors moment because I could have gone and taken a full time job at IMG, which they offered me. But I I was 17. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to go live in the big smoke. And, you know, maybe I want to stay a bit close to home. So it was this, it was sliding doors. And I took this kind of motorsport route. And I'm I'm obviously still here. <laughs> so 
it worked okay you're yeah. not hating it no I'm not hating it <laughs> would you consider yourself a fan of motorsport did you become a fan of motorsport through working through it I mean clearly you you didn't grow up with it it's a funny one like I don't watch racing for in my spare time if I'm not required to for for work I don't know that probably makes me sound really bad um no, I'll, I'm the I'll watch the occasional Formula One I, I, I don't really do much work directly in Formula One at the moment um I do maybe like one or two races a year with different projects but I might watch Silverstone and Monaco and maybe one other if it if it happens to be on and I happen to be home. But I don't I don't tune in every week. I do get very passionate about the clients that I have and the projects that I'm working on, and and you know I get very very into you know it, it, there's nothing as you know like there's nothing like experiencing kind of success. And on the flip side, the bad times, you know, it's it's part of working as a team is kind of going through all those highs and lows together. And, and yeah, that, that being part of a team is, is a huge thing. And that's obviously, you know, that has an emotional side to it. And you'd have to be pretty cold hearted not to not to yeah. let it affect you in that way. But yeah, it very much depends. Like one of my very long standing clients, as you know, is Nelson Piquet Jr., who I've worked with this year for um, 16 years and you know i'm very very passionate about about his racing and what he's doing and and you know his successes and you know probably the most emotional day i've had in my whole career was the day that he won the formula e championship and i'm someone i'm not like i said you you enjoy the successes and you you know you, you have emotions when, no matter how your clients are performing it you know but i at the at the end of it i'm doing a job so i can't sit and cry because I'm sad or celebrate for an hour when there's work to be done you know you, you take that moment but there's still all work to be done when you're working on a race so I don't tend to be an overly emotional person when I'm working but that day I mean I was crying for about three hours I couldn't stop it was <laughs> <laughs> but it's also the release isn't it because you've been with him whilst he's working towards it you've worked towards it as well in you know in your contribution yeah. and and then it's it's achieving something that he's wanted that you've wanted for him for a really long time yeah definitely definitely and then you know when you know the story of something and the path someone's taken it obviously just adds a whole other layer to it yeah also sheer tiredness because by the end of the championship <laughs> yeah i tell you what those formula e double headers are not easy <laughs> You get to the end of the first day and you lay on your bed and you think, I can't do that again. And then there's a whole other day to do. And that weekend was a doubleheader. <laughs> oh, fly me. Do you have an earliest memory of motorsport? I don't remember the first rally I did with the Subaru World Rally team, actually. It's, it's a bit bizarre. I don't, those times are a bit hazy. I remember some really nice moments one of the drivers I worked with was Richard Burns um, and I was there when he won the championship and I got on very well with him and I was super young um, but I had a good relationship with him and, and Robert and I'm still friends with Robert Reed today you know they're they're amazing guys and, and you know so I remember spending time with them I remember being at some rallies with them when they won and it's all really really amazing but yeah nothing no like specific point would you say did it choose you or did you choose it? It's funny. So I was I ended up being at ProDrive for four years. And I would say the last year that I was there, I was actively looking for other jobs because I I I wanted to take that next step up. I felt like I was ready and it wasn't available to me there. 
And but I very, very much was not looking for another motorsport job. I, I thought I've, I've done that. I've got some really good experience. I've got experience working with international media, international event programs. But I, I just thought I need to. I don't want to be niche. I want to go and work in some other some other industries. And I couldn't get an interview. I was I was interviewing for like entertainment PR agencies, more consumer PR agencies, and already after three years, they were telling me I was niche in motorsport. It was interesting. And then what happened was as I was sort of coming to, the, to four years, that was when David Richards and the, the kind of management team at ProDrive were given the role of managing the, the Lucky Strike VAR Honda Formula One team. And they were looking for a press officer role. And I asked if they would mind if I applied for it. And they said, absolutely, go for it. So I applied, got the job, went over and worked in Formula One in-house for another year. But I still was, was looking for just some diversity. I just didn't want to be in this little box. Um, and that's when I went off and did some football. And then, you know, over the years, I've done lots of other things, but it, I, I always end up keep coming back to it. And, and I, I don't know if that's because A, I'm meant to be here. <laughs> Maybe I am. Uh, or B, um, it ends up that I've been doing it for so long. That's where my, you know, it's where so many of my contacts are, you know, I, I, I know how to do this. I know this industry. I know the work. And, and I love it. You know, I'm not, I'm not sort of desperately trying to, to get out of it. But I do like what I have now, a bit of a balance where I'm doing motorsport, but I am also doing some other things. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, and also you're trusted, which in the any industry, I think is, um, it, it goes a long way. So you may be trying to diversify and get into other projects because it's fun. And we keep pulling you back. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get out. <laughs> just come back one more show one more show it'll be all right so no I think I think probably my fate is fate lies here now I think oh and also if it can you know if it can keep things interesting and actually you know you get enough time on the side to do other projects or you can actually or actually one of the things that you do amazingly which we're, we're always thankful for is taking motorsport and putting it in another industry because yeah. you know that's that's actually interesting yeah, and I, and I think that that's what has kept, it's what I love about what I do is that I can do that. About So it was about eight years ago. So I went off freelance for years, just working working on my own after I, after I finished at um, the football club. I then went freelance, super young, didn't really know what I was doing. And then eight years ago, I met uh, my business partner, Emma, who you know, and we decided to set up a business together so we could do some bigger projects. Um, and she was doing, at the time, PR for racing drivers and teams and I was doing similar things but also working on some some brands but brands that were pretty much involved in in racing and one of the first clients that we got was the company that ran Top Gear Live and that was amazing because they wanted us to basically bring motorsport to them because that was where our, our contacts were so we would book major motorsport talent for Top Gear Live and Top Gear Festivals and that was brilliant because it was fusing those those two worlds I, th I think for me it's just about constantly I don't know I don't like to just be bought you know I, I can't just do the same thing year after year after year after year I have to have yeah I have to have some challenges and and actually I'm doing a lot as you know in Formula E right now I've been working in Formula E since it started so it's into the sixth year now and that's so fascinating because it's just a whole other thing again and and that's a constant challenge because from the first season when it was pretty much like working and walking into a sort of F3 paddock, you're now walking into 
something that yes it doesn't look as slick as f1 because we're we're in temporary tenting because we're we're setting up in the middle of cities but the type of work we're doing and how busy we are is is on a level with f1 and it's just kind of you know it's it's that time it's that time when when automotive companies are looking at at electrification and then it's just being in that that place is is quite interesting I bet it's thrilling. I bet the conversation that you're able to have as well with people who, for so many reasons, might not consider Formula One and are attracted to Formula E or at least are, haven't discounted it. I can imagine that it's actually it's a thrilling time to be in Formula E. Yeah, it's moment. amazing. And, and, you know, next season, it's a world championship. It's It's gone to that level already in, in that, yeah. that will be year seven and it's a world championship. Yeah, that's amazing. What would you say is the biggest misconception about your job? Oh, it's that famous line from Bridget Jones, isn't it? The girl that just sits there fanning about the press releases. That's the one, isn't it? It's so much bigger than that. You know about PR and comms and, and, you know, our role has changed. It's just unrecognisable from when I started. When, you know, when I started doing PR, it sounds so ridiculous that it, it, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but we were still faxing press releases. You know, social media did not exist the thought of making a video just like I don't know a video was like a big thing like that took planning and it wasn't just a thing that happened all the time and just 20 years later and the you have a direct relationship now with fans you have uh you know you have a whole social media and content side of of comms and you know we're, we're not only talking to media we're talking to every single one of our audiences directly now and with that just brings a whole new load of, of responsibilities and and also challenges and it's quite nice you know to be creative it's it's definitely it's it's a different job isn't it yeah I don't think I carried a mobile phone when I first started I think I might have had my own mobile phone but it probably it definitely just played snake yeah and was good for text messages but texts used to take about three minutes to compose so yeah send them sparingly wouldn't you yeah and I, I remember one of the first times I had to live tweet a race and I was doing it from a Blackberry phone and actually I had to have three spare battery, uh, batteries yeah. in my pocket just to be able to tweet the race which is now you, you throw it out the window if that Well happens. I was I was Blackberry for years like I was like no 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 uh, you know Adrian Atkinson who he works for the Jaguar Formula E team he was my boss at ProDrive actually for the Subaru World Rally team so um he was a bit of an early mentor and he's he's always really good at technology and he had an iPhone he's like Bex you need to get an iPhone I said I can't I can't work it I can't even turn your screen on I can't do it yeah I need and, a keyboard uh, it probably took two years for me to get an iPhone and like I can't even why why did I wait so long <laughs> we were learning we were learning <laughs> one of the things that's very common throughout the whole of motorsport is the emphasis on success and I actually find that it's highly competitive in all areas of motorsport regardless of whether you're driving the car or putting the car together if you're anywhere near it you end up being competitive and almost looking left right center in terms of where you are you know how you're performing how how have you experienced that in your field I'm kind of, and, and Emma's the same, my business partner, that's why we, we kind of work very well together, is in that we kind of judge success on, on more on ourselves. We don't like compare ourselves to what other people are doing because we're in our lane, other people are in different lanes, they've got different, you know, resources, whatever. So, but we, we're quite hard on ourselves. So we set quite hard targets for ourselves and we kind of judge, but, but yes, you're, the, the industry as a whole is like that. I think it, it's it does drive you to try and be the best you can I think 
Yeah, definitely. I know what resources I have and how they compare to other teams. And that doesn't define what I do in the slightest. It helps to explain what you may or may not be able to do. But I put the pressure on myself to be more innovative and more yeah. creative because that's my brain and yeah. I don't need any other resources for exactly. that. And it's learning and developing. And I have worked with countless clients over the years who have little to no money for activation. And that's when you can be the most creative because you've got to be creative because you've got to think of ways that you can meet a brief with, with not much and then you can do some really cool work out of it. Yeah, exactly. Nine out of 10 times, that's the stuff you end up being proudest of as well. Yeah. So what was the moment when you realized that motorsport isn't actually glamorous at all? Oh, this is an easy one. This is so easy. This goes back to my rally days. So there's two, two incidents. The first one was one of my first rallies when I was 18. And we got to the hotel, you know, after a day at the, you know, back in those days, I don't know, it, I, who knows about rallying but they used to move the service park around two or three times a day so you'd get up you'd you'd everyone would drive the big haulers and we'd all kind of follow on and you set the service park up and then the cars would come in they'd have their service and we'd have to pack everything up drive two three hours to set up again now I think it's all single service parks or at least single service park a day and I remember we got back to the hotel at something like I don't know 11 11 30 one night and they said okay so we'll see you at two I was like two think the what the afternoon that can't be right no no we'll see you at 2 a.m to leave so I'd have you know it's like something like a two-hour sleep before the next day was upon us um and then and then another one was rally gb and yeah we were up at five in the morning or something setting up and we were outside setting up the the service park area and then it just rained like it only can do in england and I was drenched from head to foot by 6am. And we still had, you know, like a 14 hour day ahead of us or something. It's not, you know, it's not glamorous. No, it's not. And also there's no excuses. It's like if you don't have a spare set of clothing in your bag, which you may or may not know, it depends, you know, how, you, mm. how you're planning or what you knew was happening that day. You carry on. Yeah. Yeah. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's talk about balance because I find that the work that we do is thrilling, but it is all-encompassing. And if you're on, you're on. Mm. Um, Like you say, you get two hours sleep, hopefully a bit more, but when you're on the job, you're on the job. So how do you actually, how do you find that you're balancing your work and then the rest of your life? And then also how do you manage the expectation from your friends and family? Because it's also a tough one to explain, I, I find personally. You're absolutely right. It's kind of all encompassing industry. I think it, I think that's probably also though why on the, on the positive side of it, it, it's not just a job, is it? It's a, it's a life. And, 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 you know, there's so many of us that have amazing relationships and, and so many friends in the industry because it ends up being, it's not an, it's not a nine to five, it's a lifestyle. And when you're traveling the world half of the year with those people, it, it becomes a family. And combined with that, I'm running my own business. So then that's, that's always on your mind. You know, that's, that's, I, I chose to do this. But it's not like there's nobody that's going to take work off me or so I can have a few hours not thinking about it. You know, it's what I'm doing. So, yeah, I'm thinking about work a lot, probably too much, but it's kind of what I choose to do and and I love it. So that's it. I feel like I have the the balance of travel actually okay at the moment, because like I said earlier, I don't do too many Formula One races. I don't know how comfortable I'd be doing I would be doing a whole Formula One season, the amount of races you guys have now and the amount of long hauls you have. Formula E is actually quite a nice calendar. So I do all of those races and then events that, I, that I'm that i doing for other clients. And it feels like a manageable amount. So in terms of travel, I actually feel like it's quite good at the moment. I still see, I feel like I see enough of my family. I feel like I see enough of my friends. There are obviously periods of time when you've got some crazy projects going on or it's particularly busy or you've got a couple of back-to-back events and then you're, you know, you're tired and you, you, you haven't got those things. But there's always kind of a, you know, you know in three weeks you've got a couple of weeks at home or something. So, yeah, balance, I kind of feel like I'm okay. There's definitely been periods when I haven't and then you kind of need to just pause and and stop and go, okay, yes, this is my business. Yes, this is very important to me. But I think probably lots of people we know have probably been quite close to burnout and and you have to keep an eye on yourself at that point and and try and do something to bring it back a little bit. What's your check-in moment like that? How, How do you catch it? How do you recognize it? 
And then how do you relax or how, you know, how do you let go? I always know when it's probably going to come because I look at my diary and I go, oh, wow, I've got five or six weeks worth of events here. That's going to be really tough. And I've only got that day or that day that I can go and see my family. I know it's going to be tough, but I can see there's an end point. And then when it's in the diary, it always looks doable. And then when you're in the middle of it, you go, oh, wow, okay, we're here. You just have a bloody good cry and then, you know, carry on and then it, it ends. You get to the end of it and um, have a glass of wine with your friends. And then you can yeah. forget about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> It's never got so bad for me that, um, that I've needed counselling or anything. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, get get through it. Promise yourself a nice meal at the end of it. How do you identify when you're close to that? I become too negative. Yeah. And I do my own head in. I literally annoy myself with feeling the need to complain. And I realize it's just because I need to let it out. But then it's like, go find the right person to speak to. More often than not, my mother. Yeah, they are. They do <laughs> tend to be good. Yeah. They're amazing. My mother and my sister, because it will be equal amount sympathy and get your head out of your own. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because, of course, when you're in the middle of it, everything feels terrible. Yes. But yeah, so it's like really talk through it. And then actually, they're also both brilliant women in that they're positive. And so they will point out the good bits, yeah. which I definitely gloss over because I'm focused on the negative bits because I'm tired um, or probably hungry <laughs> and then chocolate wine <laughs> it's, it's probably you probably can't say enough how important a good support system is can you no yeah. and you can't be selfish about it. it has to be two ways but I think we're both lucky in that we do have a really really strong support network of amazing people amazing women friends and family and and it, it is invaluable it is. It's ridiculous. And it's exactly what I'm t tapping into at the moment anyway, because it's been like, hey, I have this idea. I love talking to you. I love hearing your stories. And I really want everyone else to get to hear them because we're not the kind of people that are going to end up being on television, being interviewed, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. But equally, I'm just so in awe of everyone that I've met in motorsport and work with. And you do all support me. You do all hear me and understand me and are there for me if things are not good, but equally are there for me when things are great. And I love, I love our network. It's a really inspiring group of people to be around, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it, and it's exactly that. It's like, I'm pulling my socks up. I'm not complaining anymore. These guys are like the best of the best. And they're my friends and they're doing all these things. I want to be up there with them. I love that you're doing this podcast because you told me you wanted to do it and now you're doing it. I love it. I know. And I'm actually having to fight quite hard to fit it in because I'm the kind of person that will also, until I've worked everything out and I have the correct, oh, Girl Scout, I have to be prepared. So I have to know who I'm going to speak to. I have to know what project's going to look like. I have to know that I can cover so many weeks of content because I can't help myself. And that's what I've been trained to do. And no, but that, then, goes, that goes back to what we were saying earlier about this industry. You, you strive for success. You strive for excellence because what you, I can see already, you don't want to do put one out and then not have a plan for the rest. You want, you want it to be a good project. Yeah. And I want people to enjoy it and I want to yeah. be proud of it, of course. So yeah, it's totally ego driven anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's the, the next thing I wanted to move on to was success, but in, in a way that I, not a negative way, very much a positive way. And which is, do you have a proudest moment of what you've done so far? 
and how did you celebrate it? There's, I don't know, there's a few different things because obviously I do a few different things. There's different highlights for different... I'm always proud when I see something I've worked on a, in a, for PR work, if it appears in print or on the TV or wherever. It's, I actually still get the same buzz as I did 20 years ago which is quite cool, I think. It's funny, you know, there was sort of some sort of rumours a few months ago that Autosport was closing down, the print magazine. And I, st- and I, I actually put up an Instagram post and then it, it sort of didn't date well because Autosport is still, still very much running. Because I still remember being on the shoot for the first cover story I ever did with them, which was with Jensen Button at, at BAR. And I still yeah. remember where we were when we did the photo shoot, which was on the roof of uh, Circuit de Catalunya at pre-season testing. And, it, you know, and then seeing that front cover of like the motorsport Bible, it was amazing. So anytime I see anything in print, like today, one of my clients is in Hello magazine, you know, I rush to the news agents to get it. And it's just, you go like, oh my God, double page spread, amazing. So PR, like that, events, there's been a couple. We um we did a huge party in Brazil after the Grand Prix for 3,000 people, which was a stupid endeavour. And we had all sorts of problems. Somebody, nothing to do with me, forgot to order the glassware for a party for 3,000 people. We only knew on the day that we didn't have glasses. So, you, you know, events, there's always stuff, something crops up. So we had to solve that. And then opening the door at like 11pm and everything actually being as it needed to be there and it being the most ridiculous, huge party in the middle of Sao Paulo. And five minutes before the door opened, I'm wearing stilettos, pushing sofas into position. That was quite cool because it was just, it was the biggest, I mean, it was huge. It was a a huge Formula One official brand party. And then another one was with Top Gear Live when we, we wanted, and this is, this is Emma and I, we wanted to try and get Lewis Hamilton racing Ken Block. And both of them were a little bit, for different reasons, non, not, not able to commit. And we had Lewis, we had his Formula One car, we had Ken and we had Ken's Rallycross car and they were all going to be in Barbados at the same event. And it was just sheer bloody-mindedness. We just didn't stop trying to make this happen and it took weeks and eventually we, we got it together and it was going to happen. And then it happened on the event and then we... Uh, we made a video, we made a video for Top Gear about this race. And it was the biggest watched video on Top Gear platforms, uh, digital platforms, up until that point. So yeah, I think when you just work so hard at something, and then you get a good result, those are moments that, yeah, moments that you can be proud of. Hell yeah, you high five that one, definitely. And then, and then you do, you watch the numbers and you're like, I was right. I was yeah. right. Yes. All of the millions. <laughs> <laughs> and you possibly put the video on repeat as well on your computer because yeah. every little bit helps. And I'm still talking about it years later, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was good. <laughs> and then just to be fair, to cover the other end of the spectrum, have you experienced what you see as a lowest point and how did you overcome it? Yeah. Again, it's kind of related to running your own business. You know, that has its massive highs and it has it has lows. And the whole thing is on you. There's nobody getting you business. There's nobody. It's just that's just the way it is. And we were working a huge amount with Top Gear Live at the point that the BBC didn't renew Jeremy Clarkson's contract 
And so what happened was all of the Top Gear live events, which were due to take place over a, a sort of six to nine month period, got postponed. And our year had been kind of based around that. And just literally overnight, we kind of probably lost 80% of our business. And that's really quite scary. And I remember I didn't deal with it very well. In hindsight, I sat and I I binge watched Scandal for for a, a week. I just binge watched Scandal. I just couldn't get enough of Kerry Washington. Like, I don't know if I was just... I don't know if I was just like absorbing Olivia Pope's strength and maybe it was what I needed at that moment. Um, But I I binge watched Scandal and then just hustled, just contacted like every business lead I could imagine. And and Emma was doing the same. And we just we just hit hit the phones. And actually what happened was we then got got work relatively quickly. And when we we were fine. And then I think it kind of just goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's just we're we're very lucky and and it's not lost on me that we were trusted by by contacts who then had worked throw our way and and a lot of them were like oh yeah we've actually got something but we kind of thought you were busy and you didn't you didn't need anything um didn't really didn't really think that you had had capacity so it was quite an important lesson we're all quite good at networking but you you do need to network in this industry because people just see that you're kind of doing your thing and you're busy and, and they don't kind of think that you know they think you're all right and then that it's just about if you're not all right and this isn't just a work this is probably just not a work lesson it's a life lesson if you're not all right phone someone and that's what we did yeah. you know we, we we needed some business so we we just phoned around and and it, it, it we were fortunate um to be able to replace that business but that was that was a really it was a pretty horrifying couple of weeks worrying about what what was going to happen and it's that thing as well it's it is on you no one's coming yeah. to the rescue unless you're you're asking for uh, unless you're asking for the help yeah yeah I, I think i would have needed olivia pope too yeah i mean she yeah she's a legend how do you keep learning i've always 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 kind of tried to keep learning by challenging myself with either clients or moving into industries that i don't necessarily have experience in but i'm pretty sure i can do it with um if I just kind of throw myself in the deep end, that's always the way I've operated. Just throw me in the deep end and I'll be fine. I've always kind of been like that. And then you can always keep learning if you want to. You're right. I will. So I work in house at the moment in the team. I cut my teeth through agencies, all sorts of agencies. And I worked in every single aspect of motorsport, which I think is what made me better at my job by the time I got to a team, because I can literally relate to every single aspect of anything to do within motorsport. And the way I keep things going is I identify things that I don't know how to do yet and that would make sense within my job and then I go and learn them and include them. Yeah, I think it's really important. I think just challenge yourself. It keeps your brain ticking. Yeah. I hate being bored. I really, really don't do bored very well. Yeah, and also, and it's, it is, it's the keep learning thing. I absolutely love it. It doesn't matter what industry or what job you work in, that would yeah. be what would be driving driving us. Definitely. <laughs> Another aspect of the industry that we work in is that it's incredibly fast paced and that has its advantages because it's trained us to be incredibly responsive, Mm -hmm. but it also has some disadvantages, which is it can be quite stressful. How do you cope with stress? How do you get yourself, you know, on a daily basis? How do you manage it? So I started about maybe six or seven years ago, I started doing yoga 
And I'm really, really bad at exercise, by the way. I was never, I've never been a fit person. Um, and I started doing yoga because it had been recommended to me. And it's incredible because it's, it's good for the mind, probably even more than the body, because you can obviously do lots of different kinds of yoga. I do all of them. And I, it, it's so, so good for the mind. Cooking also, I think when you're focusing on following a recipe, because again, I'm not someone that's naturally great in the kitchen. I can't just throw a load of things together and it's some cordon bleu masterpiece. If you're following a recipe, the same as if you're following a yoga routine and you've got to be focusing or you're going to miss a move, you, you have to take your mind off of whatever's going on in your day to day. And I think that's quite important for stress management, um, having those, those things to escape. And the other thing, I do a lot of writing. And that's also been really, really good for me, like creative writing. And that's always been really good for me. Again, it's just a distraction technique from day to day that then allows your mind to clear, I think. Yeah, actually, I'm exactly the same. I'm not a naturally fit person, but I've been... I've got a really bad lower back. Oh, you know, shock horror, possibly because I spent all my time in front of a laptop or a phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's no great mystery. And I'm loving yoga. And also yeah. I can do it anywhere. I can yeah. take it with me. And, you know, the hotel room doesn't need to be that big and you can you can get some stuff done. It's brilliant. I felt the mental benefits of that within a month, three weeks, a month. And it is, it's that thing of taking time for yourself and going into an environment. If you're going to a class, that's actually quite naturally quiet and your yeah. phone's away. No one can get to you. There's no noise. And when you're doing something like that, the phone has to be somewhere else. So you just get that respite for an hour or whatever. Yeah, it's really good. I love photography because mm. both oh, my hands and are your photos busy. are incredible. Absolutely incredible. Thank you. <laughs> I'm only just getting warmed up. I just <laughs> I don't I'm considering myself at the puppy level at the moment but I love it I absolutely love it and it's that thing I I cannot have my phone and it just it it just doesn't allow me to think about work and it's wonderful mm -hmm. as much as I love work I really um you know I can't I can't switch off for very long because then I'll get ideas also yeah. that's the you know that's the circle and it's as soon as I'm away and I've got some headroom then I'll come up with ideas and I cannot wait to get back and actually yeah. make it all happen. Oh, my, my end of year holiday that I do every year it's normally 11 days if I'm lucky I'll get two weeks and that's my proper switch off one time a year by a week in or if it's been a particularly mad mad year 10 days then I start having ideas and scribbling things down and thinking okay right I'm ready to get back now absolutely yeah and I just wanted to know how do you approach social media and you know what's your view on it how do you use it I tend to only follow people that I want to follow and and I follow a lot of authors I follow I don't tend to follow lots and lots of motorsport things on my personal channels on you know client channels obviously you kind of follow them but but I kind of curate who I follow based on kind of just things I like whether that's theater or books or whatever it is and friends and and Twitter is more of a sort of news platform for me I think Instagram I love and I actually think it's a bit it's probably a bit more of a positive space than some people are experiencing on other platforms anyway. I'm like you, I, I'm nowhere near as talented as you, but I've always loved taking pictures. I've got thousands of printed photos from years ago. Um, so I love Instagram. I love, I think it's a positive space. Again, I follow accounts that I, I, believe, I find positive and, and most of them are just friends. I don't, again, I don't tend to follow lots of celebrity accounts or anything obviously JLo, obviously Beyonce, 
not really any other celebrities. So it's just a nice, friendly space, like quite supportive. But, you know, in our jobs, you, you know, when you sort of read articles about stress relief and how to turn off and they're like, you know, delete all of your social media apps for a week. And you go, well, we can't because we do social media for people. So we, we cannot escape social media even for one day. In your personal feed, you create, you curate, actually, I love that word so much when it comes to social media, you curate your own space yeah. and the people that you're happy to invite in yeah. and also the people that you're not happy to invite in. If it, When it comes to my personal account, I will either block or I will put some very stringent filter in place because I don't need that shit in my personal life. No, exactly. I am very much, so my uh, primary school headmaster who was an amazing, is an amazing man, and was an amazing head teacher. You know, when I was sort of five years old, the first thing he taught us was, you know, treat people how you yourself would like to be treated. And I've kind of really carried that through my life. And I would never write anything abusive or negative on anybody's social media, because Jesus, who's got the time for it? Like, aren't we all busy? I, I don't get it. I, I don't get that people have that much time that they want to go around and spread negativity or hatred or, or be cruel because it just does, seems like such a waste of time. You've just touched actually on a piece of advice that you remembered till now. So that must have been pretty damn good advice or something that you took to heart. What advice would you give to people who actually are, you know, the people that do get in touch with us and say, we'd like to work in motorsport? I think it's really important. I'm sure you're the same. You get some people that say, I want to work in motorsport don't care what I do, want to work in motorsport. But it isn't maybe what they perceive it is. Like you said, it's not glamorous. 99.9% .9 of the time, it is not glamorous. Find what you actually want to do as a profession before focusing on the industry. So I love PR. I love events. You know, the stuff I do, I, I love doing that as a particular job. I don't think that the sacrifices you have to make and the hard work you have to put in would be worth it if you didn't actually care what job you were doing. I think that's brilliant advice, actually. It's almost like know who you are before yeah. you know where you want to be. Yeah. And then that's also why I think if you're particularly looking at PR, go to an agency because you might find that you absolutely hate it and it's not for you. You might think what that job is, is something that it isn't. Or likewise, if you're, you know, if you get a lucky internship at an agency and you're not really sure, but then you absolutely love it, you, then you know you're on the right path. Totally. And then the other thing that I always try and remind people, and that's why I want to talk about motorsport, not specifically about Formula One. Formula One's the headliner. Yes. And it's amazing. It really is. But it's not the entire motorsport industry. And getting experience in different levels, different aspects of motorsport and learning the things that make up those you know club racing touring car yeah motorbikes there's a, such a huge industry which actually on certain levels might actually be easier to get into definitely and I tell people that as well I say you know there's and I say this from a, a point that I didn't do that like I said I didn't know anything about motorsport and I landed a job in the world rally championship and then I landed a job in formula one it was only after I went freelance that I started working in like f3 and GP2. And I was like, well, this is brilliant. I didn't even know any of this existed. It's, it, and I had such a good time learning about all the other things that you can do. And, you know, there's still things I'd really like to do that are nothing to do with Formula One. I would, I'd like to work on the Indy 500. 
one year because that is, you know, a jewel in the crown event that I have never, ever worked on. So, you know, you don't, yeah, Formula One is not everything. It is, like you said, it's amazing. You know, it's a, I love all of the projects that I do and have done in it, but but there is so much more out there. My last question to you, I can't believe it. What are you looking forward to? Uh, I am most looking forward to the end of lockdown, which I know is going to be a very common response for everything that you record during this time. But I have purchased what I refer to as the outfit of hope. And I will be putting it on the day that we're allowed out and I will be going to Soho and I'm not going to come home until the sun comes up. I actually think we're all going to end up in the same place. We we want to pick one place. We want to go out and we want to not come home. I'll set up a WhatsApp group. Yeah, <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and we'll get the whole world to just come yes. and hang out with us as well. It'll be amazing. <laughs> Rebecca, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for giving me so much time. Thank you. Another week, another story. And I loved hearing from Bex because her experience is completely mixed across motorsport and really shows you what kind of career you could have, uh, not just in Formula One, but how many amazing opportunities are available throughout the entire industry. I also just love hearing from her full stop because she's a brilliant lady to speak to, has masses and masses of experience and it's just fun and nice person to chat to. As ever, check her out online. She's on Instagram. She's on Twitter, just like everybody else. Um, And she's there under Rebecca Banks. I'd also like to thank everyone for listening and for all your reviews so far and your messages, the comments that you've made, both to Tabitha and Rachel, who were very kind to be my first two guests. Um, It's been genuinely a joy to hear such a positive response to the podcast. So thank you. Thank you so much. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe via your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. I think you can do that on the Apple podcast one. I'm not sure about the others, but um, those definitely make a difference. They mean so much. And as I said, I'm, I'm reading them all. You can also get in touch directly with me if you'd like. That's via my Instagram account, which is Pandia, P-A-N-D-E-A. Thanks so much for listening and speak to you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.